You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, WHTT.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to We Hold These Truths Speaks Out. Tonight, we have Tom Compton as our guest. He's usually our moderator, but he is going to be our featured speaker this evening as he talks about his recent trip to Palestine and his experiences there. Tom? Well, thanks, Craig. I had uh, a remarkable trip this summer. I spent a month in Palestine and in Israel with the Holy Land Trust. It was called the Iktashef Experience, and Iktashef is the Arabic word for discover, and discover things I did. It was very, very interesting, informative. I can sum up my trip as going there with a lot of head knowledge about the Israel-Palestine conflict and coming home with a lot of heart knowledge. One of the things that was interesting before I get into discussing the overview of what I experienced there was getting into Israel. I had some concerns because we had, we hold these truths are activists and the Knesset had passed a law in March that anyone supporting BDS would be prohibited from entering into the country. Interestingly enough, in 2016, there were about 18,000 people that were denied entrance into Israel. And so when I got there, I could not mention the uh, Holy Land Trust Ekdeshef experience. And this was evident because one of the young people that was to join the group at the border control mentioned Holy Land Trust, and he was only given a one-week visa, which uh, precluded him from coming on the uh, complete trip. And also, what was most amazing, about the same time that I entered Israel, there was a group of interfaith network for justice in Palestine that were visiting uh, in Israel, and five of the group, three members from Jewish Voice for Peace, and a, a rabbi, Alyssa Weiss, were denied entrance into Israel. They couldn't even take off from the United States. And in a report here, Rabbi Weiss condemned the government of Israel. Quote, Israel denied me the ability to travel there because of my work for justice for Palestinians, even though I'm Jewish and a rabbi. I'm heartbroken and outraged. This is yet another demonstration that democracy and tolerance in Israel only extends to those who fall in line with its increasingly repressive policies against Palestinians, unquote. So one wonders if this action by Israel constitutes a form of state anti-Semitism. One wonders. We, at we Hold These Truths have been working on this for 15 years, actually, ever since Chuck went to Israel and into Gaza in 2002. 
And so since that time, we've conducted over 200 vigils challenging uh, Christian Zionist churches around the country with our signs like Choose Life, Not War, Who Would Jesus Bomb, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. And today, in a very important new edition is Where Are the Peacemakers? And we have challenged the Christian Zionist churches because they are very much war-willing. But anyway, I'd like to give a just kind of an overview because what I plan to do is to introduce a series of pieces about the trip there. There were so many interesting people, not only Palestinians, but also internationals that were there. And I did a number of interviews and I videotaped a number of presentations by a variety of people. We really heard the gamut actually in this. We went from uh, actually at the extreme end, if you will, was a um, Israeli Zionist uh, who was from America. He was a settler in Hebron. And we got a, a presentation by him and certainly his perspective pretty much uh, would be agreed upon by Christian Zionists that God gave the land to uh, the Jews, and that's the end of the story. There are no Palestinian people. There is no green line. I mean, it was amazing what he was saying, even though we we challenged him. To uh, a rabbi that was a settler also near Hebron, actually, and he had woken up to the issue and is now involved with a group called Roots that was started by a Palestinian as a, a way to a dialogue between Israeli Jews and Palestinians. And so they have a small voice, but their message is very powerful that the, the conflict can only be solved with dialogue. And so we had a wide spectrum And so what I plan to do is to call the people that I met Voices in Palestine Crying Out for Peace and Justice. And so I just wanted just to mention three examples of what I experienced there. And the first one is about Dr. Mazen Kumseya. He's a Palestinian. He's a professor in genetics. He taught at Yale and Duke had a very distinguished career there. He moved back to Palestine and he uh, started a research group. He teaches at Bethlehem University in Bethlehem and Berzait, which is the largest university in Ramallah, and is involved in research. And I had the fortune to, to meet Dr. Kumseya and his wife. I visited the museum uh, they gave me a tour of the facilities there. They have uh, greenhouses, and they're into um, horticulture, uh, aquaculture, and uh, hydroponics, and growing things in, in small spaces. And Anyway, the first um, voice uh, is actually a recording, a video recording by Existence is Resistance, and that's available now, and it talks about Dr. Kumseya and his work, and it is really quite interesting. He is a remarkable man. And then uh, another uh, event that uh, stuck out, or actually a couple events, were visits to the Bedouin camps. We visited one in the um, Jordan Valley, and this was in 
the uh, area C of Palestine. There's three areas, A, B, and C, that were proscribed in the Oslo Accords of 1993 and 1995. Well, it basically divided the West Bank of uh, Palestine into three areas. Area A is for Palestinian control. B uh, is Palestinian and Israeli control. And then C is Israeli military control. Now, Area C constitutes 60% of the land. So the Bedouins, even though they're in fixed locations now, and there are villages that have been in Area C, they are under the uh, military occupation. They cannot get uh, building permits to uh, even improve their houses, and demolitions occur regularly. They don't get the same services as the illegal settlements. And the other Bedouin camp where we actually went twice and stayed overnight both times and helped in some actions there, and we'll have more details on it, but the last time we were there, we were actually helping to uh, to pour some concrete for some of the buildings. The Bedouins in this particular camp near Hebron, it's called Um El Kher, had bought the land in 1965, and this is before the Six-Day War in 1967. And so they had title to it, and uh, it was paid for by 100 camels, which is which is a lot of money. And they concrete house that's on there. But they've had numerous house demolitions. Israelis won't touch the house that's been there in 1965, but they have the housing demolitions that occur regularly. And just three days after we were there the last time, the Israeli Defense Force came in and bulldozed three of their structures. Again, they had uh, no services there. They did have some solar panels, so they did have a little bit of light. Right next to a settlement that is expanding and basically going to choke off the little village from their grazing lands. And this is the kind of thing that's happened throughout the uh, occupied area of Palestine and even in the Negev Desert of Israel. And then the other item that was significant was a trip to Golan Heights, which was taken over by Israel after the 1967 war. And so this actually is in Israel as opposed to the occupied West Bank. And our host up there was a um, professional man. He was some kind of a scientist that had come back and the people in that area are Druze, which is a very small sect. It's, it's some kind of variation of Islam. They have some different beliefs, but there's a very small five villages up there. Most of the villages, were about 31 villages, were destroyed by the Israelis. So there's, there's about 7,000 that are up in the Golan Heights, right on the border with Syria. Mount Hermon, which is the highest peak now in Israel, was much coveted by Israel because of the water source there. And the other interesting thing as an aside here about the West Bank, 85% of the water, there are a number of aquifers under the West Bank, are controlled by the Israelis. And so one of the methods of control, of course, is, is 
things like water. They don't. The Palestinians do not get the water. It's a fraction of what the uh, Israelis get. So there was a very interesting um, talk by this man about their nonviolent resistance. They, in this community up there, had actually refused citizenship by um, Israel, and they had developed their own nonviolent means of resistance, apple-growing region up there, and they had developed a, a medical clinics for uh, each one of the villages. And the, in the main city, we actually went to the, the clinic, and there was also a, a floor where they had a 150-seat auditorium to put on productions, uh, plays, and whatever. And they also, all the children got musical instructions and in art and so forth, so they were, you know, equipping them. And so... The visit was quite eye-opening. Most Christians in America believe that you would be in danger by going into Palestine. I found it quite the opposite. One little anecdotal story, uh, somebody asked me, well, were you afraid? And I said, well, no, actually, until I talked to a Algerian young woman who's a student that was there, and she was out uh, one night, must have been late, and there are three uh, refugee camps that are administered by the United Nations in the Bethlehem area. And they were stopped by the IDF. And the IDF, they actually roughed up, beat up the driver with their clubs, you know, intimidated them. And uh, we found out from one of the uh, refugee camps that we visited that the IDF comes into the camps every two to three days after midnight to do their raids to pick up a youth accused of throwing stones. And, of course, they have what they call administrative detention, where they don't even have to make a charge, and they can keep these people in jail for long periods of time. I understood from the people I talked to that about 40% of the Palestinians have been in jail. What we saw was a lot of resilience and... uh, uh, you know, willingness to um, do whatever they can. And so that's kind of my overview, and we'll be releasing um, more of these voices in Palestine from visiting churches there. I went to two small evangelical churches and really enjoyed the services there. And as one of the pastors said, that most Christians, when they come to Israel, they go to see the dead stones. They'll go in Bethlehem to the Church of the Nativity, where Christ was allegedly uh, born, the spot there. And they don't actually interact with the living stones, the, the Christians there, which is a shame because there are now less than 2%, I think it's even close to 1% in Israel are actually um, are Christians. And so they're basically being forced out because of economics and a number of other factors. And so the living stones are being ignored by so many Christians here in the United States that go on tour there. They they go into Bethlehem, for example, and then uh, they go through the checkpoint and come into the church, go to visit some tourist uh, souvenir places, and then leave and don't spend any time there in Bethlehem. This is my report of the trip. It was with the Holy Land Trust, holylandtrust.org, called Ictashef.
it's worth looking into. There are shorter time frames. You don't have to go for a month. I was the oldest guy on our team uh, at 71, but most of the people were in their 20s that were students. And uh, it was most informative and eye-opening. And as I said earlier, I came into this with a lot of head knowledge, but I left Palestine with a lot of heart knowledge. Thank you. Tom, how were you perceived as an American there in, in Palestine? What what was kind of the overall or was it the varied varied views of you? Well, you know, it was it was very interesting because the the Palestinians that I dialogued with were very savvy about what was going on. I think much more knowledgeable of, of international affairs. And they differentiate between the United States and uh, American citizens. So, you know, I felt very honored uh, to be there and uh, was graciously received all over the place. And even a kind of a funny anecdote, before I left, I told Chuck Carlson I needed to get a haircut. And and, uh, (laughs) Chuck says, well, why don't you get a haircut in Palestine? And so I did. I uh, There was a barber right near the Holy Land Trust office there, uh, near Manger Square. So it was right in the middle of the action there. It was just probably not even a quarter of a mile from from the uh, Manger Square, the Church of the Nativity. And so um, I, I went in there with a, one of the uh, gals from Australia was there. She We wanted to do a little video, so we did a video so that would be kind of one of my voices there and just that you know it was, it was a, a fun time and uh, the barber ordered coffee for us and sammy the the coffee guy came in and and he was gregarious you know so the the reception was just amazing we got to stay with a uh, a christian family for six nights so now i have a uh, palestinian daughter the wife and hostess spoke very good english uh her husband his english wasn't too good but they had four children and uh, the two oldest spoke very good english in fact the second oldest their oldest son just graduated from uh, bethlehem university there in bethlehem in english and he was looking to uh, before i left was actually going to take a test in ramallah at the university there Berzate, and uh, for doing further study he was looking to uh, get some kind of a a scholarship uh, abroad. So that's a great question. And uh, even the people that had been in prison, I didn't see the bitterness. We had a guide out in in the Jordan Valley, and he'd been in college three years, and he was an advocate for, uh, you know, education rights. And and, uh, he spent three years in Israeli prison. He was about 31 years old. He worked for an NGO. So he was doing what he he could do best to take people to show them what was happening. This particular Bedouin camp we went to, just right over the hill, you could see a settler, a lone settler, uh, petitioned, got the land, and he's got an orchard. He got all the water he wanted and electricity, uh, whereas this little Bedouin village that was raising goats, you know, had nothing, no electricity, no water. And that's the stark reality of this occupation. And the outposts where rogue Israeli settlers eventually 
as they grow, they become full-blown settlements. We saw roads for only Jews to these settlements. And so a big stark reality that, of course, most tourists will not be told, even if they have a an Arab or a Palestinian guy returning to the airport from Bethlehem. I was taken by a man from Jerusalem, and he had married a Palestinian. But he was uh, he had a degree in tourism from Hebrew University there in Israel. And, of course, he cannot talk about any of the political thing. It's all basically historical. And the tourism degree is a, you know, very extensive uh, degree. It's, you know, it's not like a travel agent here in the U.S. It's a, a very respected profession there. And so their hands are tied as far as bringing in tourists. So they'll become, for the most part, just as blind uh, when they leave, or they may even become more of a a Christian Zionist that uh, we have been challenging all these years. Well, Tom, thank you very much for your report. We're very much looking forward to the pictures and videos that you have of your adventure, and we thank you for uh, being brave enough to put your money where your mouth is and get over there and see what it's really like on the ground. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome, And, and I would challenge anybody to go there and see for yourself. It'll change your opinion because... It was just an adventure of a lifetime. But even if you go for a week or something like that, you'll see that uh, we've been told a lot of untruths about the situation in Palestine. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.